0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Read this beautiful and lovely letter from a newlywed, a young newlywed, to her husband who had uh, had to have left the home. Um, and this beautiful writing included this line. I am as fat as a pig. And that was music to his ears that was receiving it. And she's not talking about being pregnant. She just me. I am as fat as a kid. And that line there in that love letter is words of assurance to this young man who is reading this letter. And that was from his wife to him. There are other letters that we read in this that were from out on the road back home. So from husband to wife This case, and they are read in very similar ways. I was weighed the other day and was 171 pounds, so you see, I'm pretty fat. Another says, My health is good at this time, and as evidence reported, I weighed 174 pounds. That was the last time I weighed just the other day. Another one says, I weigh more now than I ever did in my life. I weigh 197 pounds. And then he goes on to say, I believe if I hadn't spent the entire night out on rain in the rain on picket duty, I would have reached 200 pounds in just a short time. Get some other younger guys riding back home. Maybe to their parents or or grandparents uh, trying to prove themselves in their letters, Uh, they would say things like, If you was to see me now, your doubts in regards to my health would certainly be dispelled. You wouldn't see the same slim, stoop shouldered, awkward gossip. He weighed twelve pounds more than he had the previous summer before he left. Yet another one writes to his sister and says, I'm now larger than my father. My weight is now 175 pounds. He also wanted to know my whiskers is getting pretty thick. And they are two inches long. A young man wrote back and said this is about the same thing. He, he was in competition with some friends back home. I weighed 170 pounds and now I weigh 175. If I keep on, I'll weigh 180 before long. Father wrote to me that John Reese said I weighed one seventy, and he said he weighed one seventy-seven. He only two pounds larger than I am, and I will get him if I don't get sick. And more letters shared the same. These are letters from the American Civil War, and what's really interesting. Here is that uh, prior to the Civil War, letter writing really wasn't much of a thing for the ordinary household um, because ordinary families in the in our country lived together or on the same compound or right down the road or street, so there was never really any need uh, to send a letter for most people. Um, it was the Civil War that really helped our country to develop the art. Of the letter. And so it may, might sound odd or weird for us to hear a wife brag about being fat as a cow, or for young soldiers out in the field to write back home and be so obsessed over their own But what they were doing was sending words of assurance. Assurance that I am okay, or your kids back home are okay. Uh, Because it was, needless to say, uh, very difficult out in the battlefield, but it was also troublesome at home as well. And so for many of these families that all the the men were going out uh, to the battlefields, uh, the women were left at home to do all the work, much like bed. I when we do all the work uh, out in the workplace and at home. That hasn't changed. Uh, but back then, you know, that, that was the story. Uh, in addition to uh, weather issues on the battlefield and at home, just plenty of opportunities uh, to get poor. And poor was the antonym for fat. So you were either fat or you were poor. And what you meant by poor was you were in poor health and skinny. And, and, and so these letters... Which seemed odd to us were letters of assurance. One more that really touched Pastor Melissa and I when we were reading it was from a young wife and mother named Martha Oteet of Western North Carolina. And she writes, she endured labor and delivery for at least the ninth time. What kind of people have eight or nine kids? <laughs>
1: and she delivered
0: one after her husband Francis had gone off to battle so she wrote him and she cheerfully described so she's trying to send words of assurance does not want Francis to worry about anything back home so she cheerfully describes the easiest postpartum recovery she ever had experienced she said I had the best time ever delivering that child she wrote that never no <laughs> drugs back then she was. maybe she had some liquor or something I don't know. best time ever and I haven't been the scalpest ever I, I ain't laid in bed a single day in two weeks meaning she got back to work uh, what's wrong Pastor what's the taking a day or two long she's like she got her baby on her back and she should get out and start cleaning the garden that's a joke <laughs> she is out of college. She thinking, She's, yeah, that's true. can't get her to stop. Of the baby, a girl, she was waiting to name until Francis came home. Martha could report no weight, because scales and doctors weren't around in the Blue Ridge Mountains at that time. She had a better idea. She laid the baby's hand on a scrap piece of paper and traced around it. Carefully cut it out and stuck it into the envelope. Some days later, in a long besieged trench outside Petersburg, Virginia, Francis, the father, opened that envelope and held his new daughter's hand. And that's the actual it's blown up. But that was from just the Smithsonian. So that's his daughter's hand that he got to hold uh, in the battlefield. And so again, just letter of extreme assurance in the midst of a difficult time. Her husband and father in battle in Petersburg, Virginia and she's back home with eight or nine kids and and tending to the field and the farm uh, and a brand new baby. Words of assurance. It's exactly what is at the forefront of these letters that we've been talking about, these pastoral letters from the Apostle Paul, first to Timothy, and now today our passages from Titus. Letters of assurance, of encouragement, of hope, reminding them that they are not alone in the midst of this work. Titus, just uh, another one of the Apostle Paul's right hand men in terms of spreading the gospel all throughout the land. Um, he's now particularly left behind, Paul says, I've left you behind on purpose, in this place called Crete. And Crete was does not have a very good reputation. In fact, I believe that's where we get the term Cretan. So when your kids are acting up or whatever, he's put me in a Cretan. Uh, Cretans had a terrible reputation of being unruling, uneducated, um, and just behavior off the charts, I guess, for that time. Ungodly. In reality, it's probably um, not the case. They were just not like what Paul was used to or the people uh, from more sophisticated places. But it was a difficult place to serve and an isolated place to serve. And Titus is here for some time. And we can't imagine, we don't know, but we can imagine uh, that uh, as the Apostle Paul is always writing for a purpose, using something going on at a particular place that needs to be corrected. Uh, In this case, for Timothy and for Titus, we don't know what comes first, but maybe Titus wrote off a letter uh, to the Apostle Paul. Maybe Titus, like Timothy, wrote a letter and said, Hey, um, if something doesn't change quickly, I'm going to quit. Because things are so terrible and so awful. Uh, but we get this letter to Titus and we get a lot of the same that we get from Timothy in terms of encouragement. We get a lot of the same uh, clues of some of the things that are going on. Some of the people in Crete are ungodly and not following Christ in, in, in a way at all. We also get some not just that there are some outside influences of things going wrong, but also some false teachers within the church. And so Titus is dealing with this as well. And so we get these words from the Apostle Paul, um, some words of correction, some words of reminding Titus of what to do and what to say, how to maybe reset the church. Hey, I told you the leaders of the church should be like this. And So we get some of that. And then ultimately uh, uh, just words of assurance to him. I like that uh, in this chapter three as the letter is closing out and maybe again just imagine you don't know for sure but maybe Titus has written a sort of letter that says something along the lines these people, these people are acting like this or that. And so I like this word of assurance from the Apostle Paul and maybe he's reminding Titus that we used to be like these people because Paul says very carefully in verse 3 we were once foolish we were disobedient, we were deceived and slaves to our own desires and various pleasures too, we were spending our lives in evil behavior and jealousy, we were disgusted and hated other people and so maybe, just maybe Titus had written that in the previous correspondence that these people were acting like that. And Titus says, hey, what do you mean? Titus, step off down off your hot horse for a moment. And remember, we were just like them. But, a big but here for Paul. I said big but in my life. When God, our Savior's kindness and love appeared, he saved us because of his mercy. Not because of the righteous things we had done. He did it through the washing of new birth and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. Paul said, there's hope here even for them because there was hope for you and I. We were once like that, but by God's kindness and love through the renewing of the Holy Spirit which God poured out upon this generously, Jesus Christ our Savior. So since we have been made righteous by His grace, we we can inherit the hope for eternal life. Then he goes on to say, I want you to insist on these things so that those who have come to believe in God might give careful attention to doing good. These things are good and useful for everyone. So always in these letters, and this is no different, Paul in the midst of correction, encouragement, and assurance is laying the Groundwork that the way out, the way along the path, always is paved by the grace of God. So, the ultimate words of assurance that is going to do, just like these letters in the Civil War, you know, I'm doing okay. I may be in these chains, but my heart is fine. I'm physically doing just fine. I might be, you know, just coming out of the shipwreck, but I'm all right. I'm healthy, I'm good, I'm ready to go to the next place. Um, I hope you're doing well too, exactly, let's get together real soon. So he's going to do all of those niceties in terms of words of assurance. And then he's always going to come back to the ultimate word of assurance and that is grace. Because what he wants Titus and what he wanted Timothy to do, and what he's reminding himself, and ultimately this letter is to us here today, is he's reminding us that Christ has died, and Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. That's the gospel. Uh, and what the gospel promises is that as we wait for the ultimate victory for Jesus to return, life's not always going to be rosy, peachy, and clean. Amen? But life's sometimes going to be difficult. In the meantime, sometimes life is hard. In the meantime, sometimes spring the gospel, which Titus and Paul were charged with, which ultimately you and I are too. Sometimes that job is hard. Sometimes that call on our life is hard. Sometimes just living out the gospel. Sometimes we revert back. Sometimes you and I still today are foolish, disobedient, deceived, and slaves to our own desires. Various pleasures too. Sometimes we spend our lives in evil behavior and jealousy. Sometimes, even you and I do that. Sometimes we might even do it this week. I know <laughs> that you will, Are you I will too. It might just be for a moment when we're tired or we're hungry, like those Snickers commercials, or when somebody just makes us real angry. We'll revert back to that. We were once like that, but then we are reminded here in this letter the big but, 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 because of God's grace and His mercy and His generosity that was poured out on all of us, not because we deserved it, but precisely because we don't deserve it, we call it God's grace, was given to us. Then we can snap out of it. Then, Paul says, the same is reliable. of God's grace, we can go forward getting careful attention to doing good. And then that doesn't just turn our life around in the moment. We do good works and do good things that are useful to everyone around us. That's where the gospel comes alive for us right now. Even as we wait The glorious testimony that Mary Lou gave about her sister, even as we wait, gather at the feast in heaven together, even as we wait, God's grace is here for for us. These words of assurance. In the middle, in the waiting, as we wait for the blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior Jesus kind of preacher would I be uh, if I left us hanging on that story of, put the little hand up again, Marlon, of this little girl whose dad held her hand on the battlefield in Virginia in the middle of the Civil War. Don't you want to know the rest of the story? Did he ever get home and hold her hand for real? Well, Pastor Wilson and I wanted to know that as well, so I did some research I looked up their names, and I found the obituary of Francis Marion Coteet, the little girl's father. He died at Cleveland County, North Carolina, April 3rd, 1902. So he did make it home. He got home, and he got to hold his little girl's hand. He died eight hours after the death his wife. So they had been married for 54 years. He died of a broken heart after a full life together. She had died earlier that day. And then the obituary gives us these words of assurance grounded and actually uses the right word when it says to us those years together encompass perhaps the most difficult events any people ever had to endure. The terrible Civil War and the Reconstruction period that followed, that they both lived to exceed the biblical 3, score and 10, in spite of their life experiences, is a miracle that must be attributed to the grace of God, rather than to the pioneer armies. This writer of the obituary must have been a fan of the Apostle Paul. Not because of anything that they had done did they survive those terrible years of being separated by the Civil War and then further the Reconstruction period when they were trying to put their lives back together with all those kids at home. It's hard to live with kids in a moral day alone when you're trying to put the country back together. And they do it by the grace of of God. Now may none of us ever have to go through what this family had to go through. But we will go through battles nonetheless. Some of us here are in the midst of a battle right now, maybe with yourself or with your family, or with life in general. And we will all have those moments. Remember in those times words of assurance from the Apostle Paul to Timothy to Titus to us. Words from God. We don't have to go it alone and that is it's through the grace of God that we made it this far and it's through the grace of God that we'll make it to tomorrow. All while we wait for the blessed appearance of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And may God Grace be added to our word today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Gracious God, we ask that you be with our hearts today, and whatever our strife may be, whatever our battles, even having a great day, and a great week, or a great season, whatever the case may be, let us hold these words of assurance from the Apostle Paul be reminded that it's not by our will and our work, but by the will of God and the grace of God. We will be able to do what it is you want to do. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll pause now for our offering today.